know, it's interesting how powerful music is in the human heart. That music has the power, by God's grace, to bring healing, especially to families who've lost a loved one. It's amazing to me, especially looking throughout our culture, how God has designed music to soften our hearts, to teach us about Jesus, and to compel us to lift praise to God. The world around us is listening to the Christmas music that we just heard, and they're hearing rich theological truths that are driving them to the Gospels. Throughout beauty parlors and shopping malls and car stereos, music is the means in which God has given to us to draw us to himself. Well, thousands and thousands of years ago, there was another song that was written, and it is driving you and driving me to the one who was born to make the nations glad, and it's in your lap. Let me show you. Grab your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 67. This December, leading up to Christmas, we're going through a sermon series called Glory to the Newborn King. We are looking at the marvelous lyrics of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, the lyrics are written on the back of your uh, sermon notes. It's also in your Westwood app. And it's just rich truth about the gospel that's driving us to the hope of Christmas. Last week, we sang together, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. We looked at uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, that through Jesus, there is now peace between us and God. The next section declares, joyful all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Well, this morning, as we look at Psalm 67, it reminds us this Christmas season that Jesus was born to bring joy to the nations. The book of Psalms is a collection of 150 songs. These psalms are poetic in their written nature. They're, some are wisdom maxims, some of them are declarations, laments are full of rejoicing, but all of them are pointing us to Jesus. Jesus told us this in Luke 24. He told his disciples, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. You see, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and Jesus is teaching us that the entire Old Testament is driving us to him. He is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament, and Jesus is the one that it's pointing us to. Well, in Psalm 67, we see that God is worthy of worship from people of all nations. This has been his plan from the beginning. You go back to Genesis chapter 1 where God made Adam and Eve. In the image of God, he created them male and female. In the image of God, he created them. And then he gave them a mandate and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. God's design was for the earth to be full of people who are worshipers, who love and glorify him. Well, you go on a few chapters to Genesis chapter 3, we see that that did not come to reality. We see that man turned his heart on God and brought separation in our relationship with him. But God had a plan. 
He wanted to restore man back into a right relationship with himself, and his effort was through his son, Jesus. But what's interesting is that even that what began back in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, it didn't even get very far after that because we get to Genesis chapter 11. And we see where God's people did not scatter, but instead they gathered together. They didn't want to fill the earth and worship the Lord, but rather they wanted their name to be great. They even built a tower in which they were trying to make the fame of their name known. But the Lord saw what they were doing. His mission was to spread worshipers all throughout the four corners of the earth. And so God confused their language. It became known as Babel because they were not articulating or communicating with one another because their languages had been changed and confused by the Lord. What was God doing? God was seeking to send out worshipers amongst the nations. He wanted to scatter people across the globe who will love and follow and worship him. You see, God is glorified by all peoples of the earth worshiping him. And that's the heartbeat of this psalm writer in Psalm 67. The, 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 the heart of Psalm 67 is that there is a yearning for all nations to praise God. You see, worship compels God's people to make Jesus known in all the earth. Jesus, he came so that we might, I want you to see this in the text, number one, bless the nations with the gospel. Bless the nations with the gospel. Look at verse one. Scripture says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us so that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Verse 1 is a cross-reference back to Numbers chapter 6 where we see Aaron is called by God to say these words to the people of Israel in a declaration and a call of blessing upon them. The prayer of blessing was a request that God would show great favor and grace upon his people. And yet the psalmist is not just asking for blessing for the sake of the people. He's not just saying, oh God, would you bless us for the sake of us. But no, rather, verse 2, it's for the blessing of others. He's not asking for a selfish blessing, but so that Israel, verse 2, would make all nations know of his salvation. This song begins asking for God's grace to be upon his people so that all nations might be saved. You see, the moment you believe the gospel, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that was the moment that you received God's greatest blessing. And God's greatest blessing is his one and only son. Jesus is the blessing of God. And those who trust in him by faith receive the grace and favor of God in him. But God has not blessed you just for the sake of you being blessed, but so that you might be a blessing to others. You see, God has blessed you in Christ to be a blessing to others. You see, the nations are in desperate need of the gospel. They need to hear the good news of a crucified and risen Savior. The one who came and lived a perfect sinless life that none of us could live. He died the death that we deserved on the cross. And it's through his shed blood that you are forgiven of all of your sins. 
This is the grace of God in Christ. It's a free gift to anybody who would receive it. That God sends Jesus who takes your place and takes the punishment of God for your sin. And he does it because he loves you. He knows your past. He knows everything you've done that is embarrassing and shameful and sinful. He's fully aware. He fully knows. And yet he has great love for you. And this is why Jesus came. He loves you so much that he goes to the cross. He dies in your place so that you don't have to. The Bible says that he was dead. He died, but he didn't stay there. For on the third day, he came back to life. Jesus defeated death. Not even the grave could hold Jesus down. And so all who turn from their sin and trust in Jesus by faith will be saved. You will be rescued. You will receive the blessing of God. And what we see here is in Psalm 67, 1, the psalm writer is singing out, Oh God, would you bless your people so that, verse 2, all nations might know your salvation. All nations might know your way. This is why Jesus came. Do you remember what Linus quoted when he stood center stage holding his blankie? Luke chapter 2 verse 10. And the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the peoples. This is the gospel. A gospel that is for all peoples. It's not just for a select group of a specific ethnic race. No, 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 no. This is the Almighty's plan of salvation for the world. And it all centers on his son who is born this day in the city of David who is Christ the Lord. You see, this is why Jesus came so that all nations, all peoples might know his way, verse 2. Might know his gospel. For those of you in this room and those of you watching online, God has put people in your life who do not know him. It could be co-workers, family members, teammates, people whom you come in contact with a regular basis on a regular basis, who are far from God. They don't have that personal relationship with him. Well, God has strategically blessed you with the gospel. He has blessed you in Christ so that you get to be a blessing. You get to go and take this good news and go and share it with those whom God has planted into your life. For some of you in this room, there may even be a stirring in your heart. You're thinking about nations People groups who have never heard the gospel. People who have little to, little to no access to hear the good news of a crucified and risen Savior. As of right now, there are more than 2 billion people who have never heard the gospel. 2 billion people who are in desperate need of rescue. And God has blessed you so that you might be a blessing to them. God has given you Christ so that you might pass Christ on to those who don't know him. And so this Christmas is a reminder to you and a reminder to me that as the Lord brings people into our lives who are far from him, we get to be a blessing. We get to point them to Jesus who is the blessing of God. 
And simultaneously, we are praying, God, would you bless your people? Would you make your face to shine upon your people? Verse one, so that verse two, all nations might know your salvation. All nations might know your way. Westwood, let us bless the nations and our neighbors with the gospel. But the second truth we see in the text is that Jesus came so that we might yearn for the nations to worship God. Yearn for the nations to worship God. Look at verse three. The text says, let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy, for you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Each sentence in these three verses begins with the word let. It's an imperative request. Through song, the psalmist is asking God to fulfill his request. And yet note the poetry in which it's written. It's rich language and structure. Verses three and five make the same request. In fact, verses three and five mirror each other. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. And, and these two verses, they sandwich verse four. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. For you judge the peoples with fairness and lead the nations on earth. This psalm writer is longing for, he is yearning for the nations to worship God. Like a deer panting for streams of water, this psalm writer is yearning, he is panting for the nations to glorify God. There is a desire deep within his soul saying, oh, let all the nations praise you, God. Let all the nations bring glory and honor to you. And so he says, we, when you know Jesus, you shout for joy. That's what happens here. Let the nations praise you, God, verse 3. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. You see, when you meet Jesus, you shout for joy. You start spontaneously, hallelujah, glory to God, praise his name, this is not a pharisaical act of religion, not trying to give people's praise and like, well, that's a religious dude right there. No, 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 the gospel compels you to say, oh, praise God. Look at what he's done in my life. I'm not who I used to be. Jesus has changed everything about me. I believe the gospel by his grace for his glory. I've been forgiven and redeemed. I have eternal life both now and forever. I've been adopted into his family and I have an inheritance that lasts forever. This is the gospel that we rally around and it compels you in worship to declare with joy, praise God. Look what God has done for me in the gospel. That's what the psalm writer is saying here in verse four. Let the nation shout for joy. Let them declare with their lips, oh, what a God we serve. There is no one higher, no one better, no one sweeter. Who can contend with the Almighty? There is not one. He alone is king, and he is the one who is worthy of praise. This is good news. Christmas is a reminder that it's time to shout for joy. Our Savior has come, and he was born in a manger, lived the perfect life we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved, rose again to give eternal life to all who believe. It compels us to shout for joy in light of who he is. And yet there are many who can't. There are many who cannot sing for joy. There are not many, there are many who cannot shout with exaltation. Why? 
because the Great Commission has not been fulfilled. You see, there are many who cannot praise God because they do not know God's Son. Christmas is a reminder that there is a Savior who has been born for all peoples and all nations are to hear this good news of a crucified and risen Savior. There is still work to be done. In his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, John Piper said it succinctly, missions exist because worship doesn't. There are people who are outside of a relationship with God. They do not know God's son, therefore they cannot give God glory. They cannot shout for joy. They cannot sing for who he is and what he has come to do. Let this reality, y'all, let it compel us to yearn for the nations to worship God. Let this longing be so stirred within us in which we are praying, oh God, would you fulfill your great commission through me and my family? May the gospel go forth. May the nations treasure Jesus because of who you are and what you have done for us. But you want to know the good news? One day, the Great Commission will be fulfilled. There's coming a day in which Revelation 7, every tribe and tongue and people and nation will gather together around the throne and they will sing a new song. We will shout for joy of the great work of our Savior, of the one who came and bled and died and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, the one who is high and exalted and his train of, the ro- of his robe fills the temple. He is the one in which the seraphim declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. There's coming a day in which Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's coming a day in which all four corners of the earth will be filled with worshipers who will give God glory. There's coming a day in which Jesus will be exalted as the high king and people will declare and they will shout together, Jesus is Lord. This is what we gather around. A great and glorious God who's given us a great and glorious Savior, King Jesus, who is the Savior of the world. Joyful, all ye nations, rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born.